Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. The clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. Even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to tunein.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. Welcome to Face Connecticut, an in depth look at today's issues. Good morning and welcome to another edition of Face Connecticut on WTIC News Talk 1080, 96.5 TIC FM, and Light 100.5 WRCH. Aaron Kupek with you on this Sunday morning, and we are pleased to be joined by Glenn Longarini. He is executive director of the Connecticut Interscholastic Athletic Conference. Good morning to you, sir. Hello, Aaron. Great to be with you today. Thanks for joining us. Well, the CIAC is out with its guidelines for high school fall sports, and we will get to that. But first, I'm wondering if you can just recap for us the past 18 months plus. I remember being at that protest back in March of last year when you had to make the call about spring sports. A lot has happened since then. What a difference a year makes, I think. And, you know, even at that time, what a difference 24 hours makes, right? When you were at that uh, protest, again, we were out in front of uh, calling an end to the seasons, knowing at that time that the best thing we can do to stop the spread of COVID uh, was to not bring people together uh, in mass events. And so we acted on the science that we had at that time. And, you know, a day later, the NBA shut down. Two days later, uh, the NCAA and, and then virtually the entire sports world. And by the next week, uh, when we would have been playing our semifinals and championship events, the entire state of Connecticut was in distance learning uh, for the remainder of the of the school year. So, you know, in hindsight, again, we worked on uh, the best information we had at the time. I think we made the right decision. And we try to use that as we move forward, just putting kids at the at the center of our decision making. And we're fortunate today uh, that we have enough data, enough evidence. We know how to play sports safely, even though COVID numbers are a bit on the rise. But we're grateful to be back on the fields and the pools and in our gyms to give kids great sport experiences. How difficult is that for athletes and their parents to have their, their season just ended so abruptly like that? You know, sport brings out a lot of passion in kids. And I think when, you know, we look at extracurriculars and we have to keep in mind that interscholastic athletics is an education-based experience. We build on the curriculum that kids experience throughout the school day and extend that into their interscholastic sport experiences, as well as all of their extracurriculars. And when you think back to high school, you know, it's oftentimes the uh, the band teacher or, uh, you know, the, the color guard instructor. It's the your coach. Uh, the person who is the, um, the the chair of student council or national honor society that, you know, you really develop those meaningful relationships with and become strong adult mentors uh, for us. 
And that's also where I think we develop some of our closest pair relationships. So outside of the competition and wins and losses, I think what our kids miss the most uh, was that connection to their school, their community, their peers, their trusted adults uh, to help them through this time. So it's critically important that as we return to in-person instruction, we also return uh, to these extracurricular activities that are so important to our kids. Now, you had to end things abruptly in March of 2020. Remind us how last school year went when it comes to high school athletics in Connecticut. You know, we had a great school year last year. We were able to play the majority of our uh, sports. Uh, the exceptions to that, we did not have an opportunity to play uh, competitive 12v12 uh, full contact football. We also did not have uh, the opportunity to uh, compete in wrestling uh, but all of our other sports, we were able to uh, to get out and compete. And, you know, I, again, that, that was important. We had uh, mitigating strategies that we put in place. We collected a significant amount of data from the fall, the winter and the spring seasons. Uh, we were able to put those mitigating strategies uh, in place that uh, the data showed did uh, what it was supposed to do. We were effective uh, in significantly reducing the, the spread of COVID. We had very little transmission due to uh, interscholastic athletic events. And when we returned to spring championships uh, and ran our state championships this past spring, we had over 700 events from all of our state tournaments uh, it, that we ran in the spring. And in those spring tournaments, we did not have one team nor one athlete quarantined during that time due to COVID. So again, I think we've uh, done this uh, in a way that we have learned how to do it safely. Now tell us about the game plan for the fall. We're excited. I mean, we're on the field right now. We had a uh, football started up with their full conditioning this past Monday. So, uh, you know, we are a week into uh, football at this point and our kids have pads on this uh, this weekend and they're ready to uh, to start putting in their offenses and defenses. So we're excited to see football back uh, and all of our other sports will start on August 26th. Important things to know from this, uh, when we're indoors, uh, so that's really volleyball is the indoor sport uh, right now, as well as swimming. But volleyball, we're gonna be wearing masks while we play. We have a state mandate uh, in place that requires masks within schools, and we're gonna comply with that in our competition. We played with masks during the fall last year in volleyball. We played with masks in the spring, including state championships with volleyball uh, last year. Uh, it did not impact uh, the game. And so we know we can do it. We know we can do it safely. And so we're going to play in masks uh, indoors with volleyball. Swimming will wear masks around all activities outside of the pool. Of course, when we're in the pool, we're not going to wear a mask while we're swimming. Uh, but in all activities around that, because it's an indoor activity, we'll be wearing a mask. Outside, we don't need to wear a mask uh, outside at this point. Again, we're aligned with recommendations from the CDC and the Connecticut Department of Health that while we're outdoors, it's not necessary uh, to mask at this point. We will continue to collaborate uh, with the Connecticut Department of Health, the Connecticut State Medical Society Sports Medicine Committee, and update those guidelines if necessary, but we're going to start the seasons without, uh, without masks at this point. And then the other important thing I think from our uh, fall guidance here to uh, to really pay attention to is the advantages to uh, getting vaccinated. 
Again, vaccinations is the number one mitigation strategy that we have right now to keep our kids active in in-person instruction and active on our fields of play. If a student is vaccinated and they are identified as a close contact of a COVID positive person, they will not be required to quarantine as long as they remain asymptomatic. So that means they're not gonna have to miss days of classroom instruction, and they're going to be able to stay on their fields uh, and play alongside their teammates if they've been vaccinated. What's the definition of close contact? That's determined by the uh, local departments of health. Um, I believe the CDC uh, guidance at this point is um, within three feet for uh, 15 minutes or greater over a 24-hour period. I believe that's the CDC uh, definition now. I'm, I'm not positive on that, but that's uh, that's what I believe it is at this point. Now, I know you don't have a crystal ball, but with growing concerns about the Delta variant, how confident are you that you are going to be able to complete the fall sports schedule in its entirety? We expected this. Uh, you know, again, I think there was probably some wishful thinking you know, out there that we would get to this year and COVID would not be something that we're dealing with. But uh, we never approached it that way uh, from the CIAC standpoint. You know, we understood through conversations with uh, our medical experts from the uh, Connecticut State Medical Society Sports Medicine Committee that this is a virus. This is something that uh, wants to live. It adapts. It has going to have multiple variants. And this is going to be something that's going to be with us. Um, So our responsibility is let's find out how we can engage kids in a safe manner. And uh, and that's what we've done. So I am confident that we're going to be able to to continue with our seasons. And uh, we plan on full seasons. We plan on having uh, state tournaments. Uh, Again, this is what we anticipated. We'll continue to collect data, continue to closely monitor it as long as we're still seeing those relatively low transmission rates from interscholastic athletics. We keep with the mitigating strategies. Uh, I do believe we're going to be on the field to play uh, right through our championships. I know you've always had the ability to consult medical experts when you're you're making policies for high school sports, but. Since COVID hit, have you added additional resources? Do you have more places to turn for guidance now than you did before this? Well, before this, uh, you know, we didn't uh, collaborate as much with the Department of of Public Health uh, because most of what we were dealing with was very specifically sport related. Uh, The Connecticut State Medical Society Sports Med Committee has a very diverse group of doctors and medical experts uh, on their committee. It it includes surgeons, it includes pediatricians, it includes uh, epidemiologists. So, you know, we, we always had access to a wide variety of medical experts when we were talking about sport-related injury, concussion management, you know, anything that was specific to, to sport. As we've, you know, really dealt with COVID over the past 18 months or so, again, this is not a sport issue. This is a public health issue. It's a global pandemic. So with that, we certainly have engaged in collaboration with the Department of Health more so over the past 18 months than we would, um, you know, pre-COVID. How closely do you look at what other states are doing when it comes to high school athletics? Constantly, Aaron. Um, you know, we have a weekly meeting of the Section 1 executive directors from the National Federation of High Schools. 
uh, it's the NFHS, and that uh, Section 1 includes all the New England states uh, and New York and New Jersey. Uh, so we meet every Monday morning and, uh, and we discuss with each other what's happening uh, in our states and, and how our seasons are going. And then in addition to that, um, the National Federation, which is uh, led by Executive Director Dr. Carissa Niehoff, uh, holds meetings throughout the year and collaboratives for us to uh, speak with our colleagues from across the country to uh, get an understanding of how different parts of the U.S. Um, are faring in terms of playing sports and, uh, you know, how we can learn from, uh, from those uh, around us as well. So it is an ongoing collaboration, uh, at both on the local and national level. You are listening to Face Connecticut. We are talking to Glenn Longarini. He is executive director of the Connecticut Interscholastic Athletic Conference. Glenn, how are student-athletes holding up? It's It's been trying these past 18-plus months, you know, you, you take distance learning for a lot of these students and then add on the uncertainty of whether or not you're, you're going to be able to, to play. Absolutely. And I, and I think they're doing remarkably well considering the adversity that they've been challenged with. And, you know, I, I see this firsthand. I have a high school age daughter myself. And, you know, so I, I certainly understand the uh, you know what is missed at the at the high school uh, level, and and what our kids are experiencing from you know firsthand account there. Uh, but I'd say just even last year, once we got our kids back into into playing into sports, you know, looking at uh, those state championship events last year and uh, the smiles on their faces, uh, how meaningful it, it it is for them to be. Uh, back with their teammates and be able to share those experiences and build on those relationships. And we're seeing it now, Aaron, as we're, you know, back to football and, uh, and we're in those practice sessions. Uh, now, if you stop by a high school field, uh, I, you just see pure joy. Our kids are just thrilled to be back with their teams, their coaches, playing games that, that they love and, and getting those high school experiences that they unfortunately uh, missed due to the pandemic over the past 18 months. Now, athletic directors and coaches were already wearing a bunch of hats before COVID, and now they've had to add the, the public health hat to, to that list. How are, are they holding up? You know, I think uh, athletic directors have uh, perhaps the most thankless job in the education system. Uh, they are out there every day, uh, most times well into the evening, uh, sacrificing times with their own families to make sure that uh, the kids uh, within their schools are getting the best experiences that they can. And uh, we just really have to thank our, our coaches, our athletic directors, our athletic trainers. Uh, they have done such an exceptional job going above and beyond uh, to bring great experiences to our kids. And, you know, we've continued to hold uh, frequent uh, meetings with our athletic directors throughout the state. We were doing this weekly at one point, uh, then we moved to bi-weekly and we do it a little more infrequently now, but but we're staying, you know, with these conversations at least once, once a month where we're checking in with our athletic directors uh, to make sure they have all the resources that they need to be successful in their programs, but they, they have just done a, a tremendous job 
uh, adapting and making experiences possible for kids. So, you know, when you see your ADs uh, out there at the schools and on the fields, you know, please take the opportunity to say thank you to them. Uh, again, it's something that isn't said enough to our ADs in normal circumstances, and they certainly deserve an exceptional amount of credit for the work they're doing now. Are there any policies that have been adopted during COVID that are going to remain afterwards? You know, that, that's a good question. We, um, we don't see an end to, uh, to COVID anytime in the near future. Uh, so, you know, that, that review, that conversation hasn't happened, you know, too much. I think, you know, the, the return to play protocols that are in place for COVID uh, right now, uh, you know, or something that uh, certainly is, uh, you know, kind of stood the test of time where other mitigation strategies or other policies have changed, um, you know, understanding the impacts of myocarditis and and be, having a return to play protocol uh, that cares for that uh, for kids is something for us to think about and talk about as we move past uh, potentially the need, uh, specific COVID need for that. Cause again, that myocarditis effect could happen with any virus. And so, you know, there's discussions about, um, you know, some of the uh, kind of um, medical pieces that go along with that, but, uh, you know, we'll look at those as we go along, but, um, most of the other mitigation strategies that we put into place last year, uh, some of those have even been reduced this year. So we're not changing any of our uh, rules for uh, for playing this year. You know, right now, like you know, for example, in lacrosse, uh, girls lacrosse last year, we had a modified uh, face-off, and boys lacrosse, we had a modified face-off. We're not doing those things, uh, planning any um, changes to rules for the fall. You mentioned that mask wearing went pretty well last sports season. Did anything have to change? Did did student athletes have to take breaks? I I can't uh, imagine you know keeping a mask on for an entire game or or, or match and it not getting kind of hot under there. Yeah, we did have some uh, some mask breaks in there. So uh, in the winter when we played, you know, every four minutes. Uh, of play. We had a mask break in hockey and in um, uh, basketball. So it, it's, you know, the probably best correlation to that is, is, you know, from a college level or pro sports level, there's almost your TV timeout, right? So when you you had those planned breaks in there, so coaches knew it was coming, kids knew it was coming. When you had that uh, stop a play scenario around that four minute mark, you know, we gave kids uh, mass breaks at that time. And sports like volleyball, where it's not highly aerobic, it's an anaerobic sport, uh, you know, to begin with. So we didn't see, um, you know, as much of a uh, of a struggle or concern with, uh, you know, with any aerobic breathing uh, in that sport. But even with that, we added 30 second timeouts uh, that teams can take or officials can issue uh, to give kids a mass break if necessary. Uh, but again, our, our kids did a, did fantastic, uh, you know, with wearing the masks and adjusting to that. And I think we see from our kids is, you know, they just want to play. So if we can put a mitigation strategy in there that keeps them safe and keeps them on the field, they're willing to adapt to that. Revisiting the issue of vaccines, some student athletes have have taken one, some have not. What are you hearing from them in terms of whether or not they 
they are, are eager to to get a shot or or not so much? Yeah, I think we're seeing a good response of the high school age demographics in Connecticut um, who now have, have been fully vaccinated and a good response from kids uh, who have at least gotten that first shot. As we get back to school, we do see some of our schools. I think Bloomfield High School is a great example here where they have set up a vaccine a, a clinic that will run at the beginning of the school year. So I think uh, September 3rd, I think the, uh, there'll be people on site to issue kids vaccine shots uh, if they'd like to get it. And then, you know, that follow up two weeks later. And that model is being replicated by a number of, of schools across the state. We ran vaccine clinics uh, in conjunction with our track and field championships last year, last spring, our baseball championships, our tennis championships. So, uh, you know, we've been promoting the, the vaccine uh, since our kids have been eligible to to receive it. And for the most part, um, you know, I, I think we're going to see a fairly high percentage of our kids uh, get the vaccine. And, and again, we, we just feel that that is the best way we're going to keep our kids in in-person instruction and the best way we're going to keep our kids on the field to play. Has the pandemic posed any challenges in terms of getting athletes to where they need to be to play? I'm talking about transportation, school buses, things like that. At the beginning of last fall, uh, it was a challenge. And so we made adaptations last fall where uh, we created tighter regions where uh, teams would play within. So that served a couple purposes. One, it significantly reduced uh, travel and helped with school bus situations. Uh, to be able to get kids to and from events. And the other thing it helped with last year is, again, without the vaccine and without much knowledge in the fall, um, it helped us keep uh, keep our teams uh, in those smaller regions. So if there was an outbreak, uh, if we were seeing, seeing numbers spike up, um, we were able to, to shut things down within a region uh, and it didn't necessarily affect kids across the state. So if you had regions of the state that were doing very well with COVID metrics in an environment, you know, they were able to continue playing. Um, as we go into this year, the mask requirements um, for our schools, uh, and I believe the CDC, the federal requirement requires masks on public transportation right now. So that would include school buses. So uh, we would need to mask while being on school buses. But other than that, we don't have a limitation. So, uh, you know, we do expect that transportation will be much better this fall. And it was pretty good last spring. So by the end of last year, we weren't seeing as many challenges uh, as we were at the beginning. I'm sure you've already been aware of it, but but talk about what you've learned during the pandemic in terms of the, the passion that exists among athletes and their parents and others for high school sports in Connecticut. You know, that, that passion has always been there, and it's the reason why uh, I think, you know, coaches coach and athletic directors are in the profession that they're in, and, and certainly we're in the profession we're in. Uh, you know, I, I've enjoyed sports since uh, since I was a kid. I was fortunate to uh, play at a CIAC member school when I was in, in high school. I was fortunate to compete in college uh, and then fortunate enough to coach at the middle school, high school and collegiate division one level in the sport of baseball. So, you know, I I've seen that just, you know, through my passion of, of sport. Uh, and growing up and sharing those uh, those memories with my teammates and then being able as a coach uh, to share in, in those memories and relationships with kids as well. And, you know, I think the, the one thing, regardless of what sport you play, that, that I do believe holds true. Uh, when I meet with former players or, or some of my old teammates, you know, we really never talk about 
uh, the wins and losses. And, you know, I was fortunate to play on a, uh, a team that won the uh, national championship uh, in 1998 in baseball. And, um, you know, we, we really don't even talk about the championship game much. We, we talk about the, the practices, the time in the locker rooms, the, you know, the memories that we shared with each other. And that's what our kids miss that time together, uh, that, you know, I, I think we value, you know, we value it when it's happening, but I think all of our kids, our coaches, we've all learned very important lesson to really enjoy those moments because we never know uh, which moment is going to be our last out there. And, uh, and that really drove that message home uh, for us. And I think for our kids, our parents, uh, again, they, they want what's best for their kids and we want to give it to them in a safe manner. What message do you have for parents in our final minute in terms of making sure that student-athletes stay healthy, not only physically, but emotionally? You know, again, the best thing that, that we can do is educate ourselves. It's a very personal decision about whether you're, you're getting the vaccine or not, but educate yourself and, and really consider uh, if you're age eligible for that vaccine to, to get it. That's what's going to keep your kid in the classroom. That's what's going to keep them going to prom uh, in, the, in those school events. And that's what's going to keep them on the field to play. And those interactions with their teammates is what's going to help their social, emotional, physical, mental, cognitive well-being. So if you can get vaccinated and stay in the game and stay in the classroom, that's going to be what's best for our kids. He is Glenn Longarini, Executive Director of the Connecticut Interscholastic Athletic Conference. Thank you so much for joining us this morning. My pleasure, Aaron. We look forward to seeing you on the fields, and we wish everybody a great school year. Thanks, Aaron. Thanks for listening to Face Connecticut. I'm Aaron Kupek. Enjoy the balance of your weekend. Face Connecticut is a production of the News and Public Affairs Department of WTIC Radio. TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. The clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You said my world on even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See t-mobile.com.